Well, we've got a great series to look forward to. It kicks off tomorrow when Australia take on South Africa in the first test at the Gabba. Joining us down the line to preview what's to come is the co-host of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, Paul Dennett. Paul, good afternoon. Hey, Matt. Can't wait. Oh, looking forward to it. I mean, what makes Australia versus South Africa such a special matchup? I think there's a few elements. Firstly, the recent history has seen South Africa actually dominate Australia, which is not something that many sides can say. So um, Australia has lost the last three series to South Africa at home. And I've been looking through the records, and that is the equal worst we've ever done. So if, if South Africa happened to beat Australia in this series, I'll do something that no other side in history has been able to do. Uh, obviously, the what occurred in um, four years ago Sandpaper Gate has added to the uh, to the rivalry, uh, but I think ever since that the South Africa uh, returned from uh, sporting isolation, that there's been a uh, a real sort of sense of there's this this a certain similarity in the way that, that the two nations play their cricket. They tend to have pretty fast, bouncy pitches, hostile fast bowlers, and batters who like to play horizontal bat shots. Um, and then I think also that some of the the, the poor. The, the disastrous results for South Africa in some of the big games have, have mm. added to the feeling. Even though it's one-day cricket, the, the Edgebaston tie that, that, then, that then kicked South Africa out of the World Cup in 99, and then we, we slaughtered them in the semi-final in 2007. So, and then on their side, they talk about the, that famous day where Australia got 434 or whatever it was, and South Africa somehow chased it down and won. And, so, um, and um, right from when they got readmitted, there was that first test match in Sydney, where they uh, beat Australia, bowled Australia for about 102 um, on the final day. Um, so there's there's all of that. Then there's the personalities as well. That there's um, even before what happened in in Cape Town, that there was unpleasantness between some of the players. They don't take a backward step. The Australian players have tended not to take a backward step as well. And and I suppose um, overarching as well, it is the second oldest Test rivalry um, that Australia has. I mean. Australia, England, and South Africa were the three initial nations that, that played Test cricket, dating back into the um, into the dim distant past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, really looking forward to this one coming up. South Africa, well, Dean Elgar says they are settled on their eleven. They won't confirm it until the toss. How do you think they'll they'll look to line it up in this first Test, particularly from a bowling standpoint? Yeah, it's really intriguing because they've got four fast bowlers who really just demand. Um, inclusion in the side and uh, it's not often that you can basically say that their four-pronged their, their four attack um, in many ways could be considered better than the Australian attack. They've got Rabada who's already kind of going to go down as a great at the game. Um, they've got Lungi Ngidi who's a fantastic record. Um, Anrex Norkia who's very fast and hostile and then uh, Marco Janssen who's a tall left armour who's developing a, a great record as well in a, in a short space of time. The question is, do they go with those four quicks and um, not go for a spinner? Do they go with those four quicks and bring in uh, Keshav Maharaj, who's their very decent spinner as well, taking into account the fact that um, Maharaj himself and uh, Janssen can bat a little bit? I think that's probably maybe the way that they might go and um, take to the fact that they're batting, their specialist batters leave a little bit to be desired in terms of their records, and so maybe it's a better thing to really stack the bowling and, and rely on the fact that some of those all-rounders probably won't lose you too much in the batting versus some of the so-called specialists. 
Do you think the West Indies series for Australia was it was a good enough build up and warm up for this upcoming South Africa series? I mean, you know, when you look at it, you know, you've got Manus Labuschagne, Travis Head, Steve Smith, as good as they were in reaching those centuries and, and getting to those milestones. It's not going to come as easy for them this time around, you'd have to think. No, I think it's going to be a very, very different experience. I hope it's going to be a different experience because I think that this series is really what um, the international summer is, is hinging on, that if, um, if South Africa can come out fighting and serve it up to the Aussies and uh, we get into a contest, I think it has the ability to really elevate the, the cricketing summer in the minds of the public. I think at the moment that the casual observer has still kind of yet to um, really get excited by the cricket. Mm. Yeah, that, that side of things, the preparation for the West Indies is not necessarily ideal, although having played some decent fast bowling and um, some of the West Indians um, got it up there quite quickly on the fast bouncy surface at Perth and then in the day-night test in Adelaide, um, you know, it's not the worst preparation, uh, albeit that the quality wasn't there, and it's, at least, the, you know, they're feeling confident. So I don't think the Australians have got any excuse uh, when it comes to, to preparation. These are the conditions that they're very familiar with, um, so... And the Gabba, uh, you know, that, that anomaly against India aside, uh, they haven't lost there since 1988. So the Australian eleven are confirmed. Pat Cummins makes his way back into the side. Scotty Boland remains within the team. How do you think Scotty Boland will fare in this first test? Uh, you know, he was brilliant, particularly in that second uh, innings against the West Indies at the Adelaide Oval, taking that uh, three-wicket haul, uh, a maiden over as well. How do you expect Scotty Boland to, to fare in this test? I think he'll bowl well. I think there's a feeling of uh, the law of averages dictates he's got to have a pretty bad test at some point. Um, uh, but, you know, he, he, he's got a very simple game. He bowls accurately. He bowls with enough speed and enough um, variation to, to cause some trouble. Uh, I had a, the, the Gabba pitch has just appeared on Twitter and, it's a mistake, I think, the day before a match to read too much into the pitch because sometimes they can look a lot greener than they end up being. But um, at the moment, it does certainly look very green and all the fast bowlers will be pretty excited by it. So um, I think there's no reason that um, that he won't bowl well. Whether he'll get the bag full of wickets that he has so far, well, you know, sometimes there's a bit of luck involved in that. But he's a, you know, his overall first-class record is, is very fine. Um, he's in the form of his career. So, um, yeah, I, I think he'll bowl well. For Cameron Green, uh, do you feel he's fighting for his spot uh, in this test? And, you know, if you're part of the coaching staff, how would you look to get him going? Uh, It's a really good question. I don't think he's fighting for his spot at the moment because I think that they see so much upside um, uh, in his performance that that they they would be very keen to give him as many chances as possible. There are some parallels with Steve Waugh back in the the early days where maybe his... um, results in those first few years didn't necessarily justify his inclusion in the side all the time, but he was always picked because they could see what enormous potential upside there was, and then it was proven to be absolutely the right thing to do. I feel it's the same with Green, and I think that uh, if I was to um, be kind of um, so bold as to give him advice, it would be bat with more freedom. Um, I think that the way that he played in the first innings of the of the, the, the test match, he scored nine off forty-two. I don't think that's um, don't think that's the right way for him to play. I think that he should play not necessarily as he did in the T20s, but um, to, to feel free to, to play his shots. And I think with his bowling, he should take a leaf out of Scott Boland's book. I sometimes think they bring him on with the intention of being the enforcer and bowling lots of short balls. I don't think that's what they should do. I think that maybe when if the opposition is 
two for 400 and you've got to try something, then do that. But certainly first plan should be uh, aimed to be boring, hit the top of off stump and let his, his great height and accuracy and, and speed um, do the rest for him. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes. And I think in terms of his position, uh, as long as Australia's winning, then I think they'll keep him in the side. If, if we happen to lose a test match, then um, maybe things could start to change. Okay, well, really looking forward to Australia taking on the West Indies. Sorry, the West Indies. Uh, taking on South Africa at the Gabba. Uh, so if Australia win the toss, what way do you think they'll uh, look to go? Do you think they'll send South Africa in or will they elect to bat? Um, I think they'll have to have a look at what the pitch looks like tomorrow and what the, um, the overheads look like. I think that there'd be a, a strong temptation to bat first. That, that I think it would take a fair bit for them to... Uh, to bowl first, uh, so I think that the, the, the smart money would be on whomever wins the toss to bat. Having said that, the Gabba in recent years, sometimes the fourth innings has actually been uh, the best time to bat. That um, South, uh, India, when they beat Australia at the Gabba for the first time, for any side for the first time in, in those 30-plus years, got big runs in the fourth innings. Um, a few years before that, Pakistan, although they lost, got big runs in the fourth innings. And um, a decade ago, Alistair Cook and um, England took something like one for 500 in the fourth inning. So it's not necessarily a disaster if you do have to bowl first. Um, and, you know, potentially it could be one of those cliches. It could be a good toss to lose if there is a bit of um, overhead movement. And um, sides from around the country are used to going to Queensland and getting smashed in early season shield games up there. It's not quite early season anymore. Um, but, um, yeah, I think... You'd bat, but if you happen to lose the toss and, and were forced to bowl, you might not be all that disappointed. Okay. How do you see it playing out, Paul? Uh, it's going to be a great test. It's going to be a great series. Which way do you see it going? I'm surprised that Australia is as uh, strongly favoured as they are. Looking at the, the betting markets, um, Australia is a much firmer favourite than I thought they would be. Um, you know, um, I suppose if, if forced to predict, I would still you know, put my life on the line. I'm going to pick, pick Australia to win, but without any confidence at all. I, I think that it's, um, it shapes as being a lot closer than uh, what the, the market would indicate. South Africa, as I said, they won the last three times out here. Their bowling attack is world-class. And I think you look at some of their, bat, their batters and their records in test cricket can be a little, bit, a little misleading. I mean, you look at someone like Kyle Verena, who's their new wicketkeeper, test match batting average of 27, you say, well, that's pretty ordinary. But he's got a first-class average of 52. And there's others like Rusty van der Dusen, test average of only 32, but his one-day average is 69. He's, um, you know, he's a better player than his test average probably indicates. So um, I think that um, South Africa are every chance of causing an upset. Um, but as I said, the conservative option would be to tip Australia, but without any confidence. <laughs> OK, well, I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing how it does play out. Paul, a big thanks to you for joining me here on the program this afternoon. But across the year in 2022, I'm not too sure if we'll be able to uh, chat again between now and uh, the new year. So uh, if not, a big thanks to you. Uh, You're always very gracious with your time. You're always very insightful. Uh, It's been a pleasure chatting across the year. Oh, thanks, Matt. I I love it every time I'm on. I really enjoy it. So, yeah, have a a happy Christmas if I don't get to speak to you earlier. Thank you. You too. And uh, there he goes, Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I thank him for his time on the show today.